nga kora kora ora tauma tēnei te mihi ki a koutou. Ko mihi ngā rangi a hau, nau mai ki te ahikāro o ngā whakifaitikanga o te wā. Welcome to Party People, funded uh, through the Public Interest Journalism Fund. As you can see, we have finally, finally made it through uh, to broadcasting quarantine and have returned to the sweet green pastures of RNZ Studios here in Tāmaki Makaurau. Joining us on this most auspicious occasion is uh, the young buck of Māori political commentating, former National MP and proud shore boy, Dan Bidwa, tēnā koe. And of course, uh, Te Puru o Te Waimana, the old bull of the party people paddock, political campaigner Shane Te Pau, tēnā kōrua. Well, Papa Te Whaia Te Tiri, uh, Hiko Hiko Te Uera, it's been thunder and lightning in the weather and in politics mm. in the last 36 hours, 24 hours. Um, the PM's press release said it would be, uh, her cabinet reshuffle would be minor, but it was much more than that. Uh, let's talk about Chris Farfoy. He leaves his positions of broadcasting justice and immigration. Uh, he leaves in the middle of the most significant broadcasting reform possibly in our history. Dan, what do you make of his departure midway through the TVNZ, RNZ merger? Yeah, well, it certainly doesn't help with the merger going on. And um, if you look at stats of mergers, anywhere from 70 to 80% of mergers fail. So, you know, to have a minister leave um, halfway through doesn't bode well for the governance and the you know making sure the merger is successful so certainly not good but um, look he his heart wasn't in it he What's wanted that to go stat, actually that stat, is that a public merger that, that's or um, no so that's Harvard mergers. Business Review that's basically oh, yeah. on all mergers that they've studied and they're they're basically their finding is that most mergers fail you know, essentially um, so to have a minister leave halfway through it's not good. Um, so look, it's going to be you know key to make sure the new minister comes in and asks the right questions and make sure they um, are you know, holding this board accountable, uh, this establishment board accountable for that. So look, hey, I know Chris; he's a really good guy. Um, clearly, just wants to spend more time with his whānau, So good on him, uh, but he certainly leaves at a tough time for his portfolios. Immigration, he's bit of a mess at the moment, so um, you know, there's going to be a lot to do for Michael Wood in that role coming up. Kapai, I was going to challenge uh, the, the fig- figures, but I realise that he's the Harvard grad- graduate of all three of us, so I'll just, I'll, I'll believe you. Yeah. <laughs> so Willie Jackson, he's mm. another former broadcaster, yeah. um, he'll replace him. Is he up for the challenge? Of course he is, but I, I think the, the, the part that Dan Daniel has missed out, he's been the Associate Minister of Broadcasting, he's been his hands have been all over this uh, particular, and his baby has been the public broadcasting uh, platform and funding. Uh, he was involved in the game for many years. He'll know that he'll know the key protagonist. He is a champion of public broadcasting. He's worked on this side of the camera, the other side of the camera. I think it will be seamless. The other thing is that Willie is a very good negotiator and he will not be afraid of the democracy. He will ask the questions that need to be asked. So I think the, trans, uh, the, the transition from Fafoi to Jackson will be seamless. He, he's now in charge of the entire sector, Minister Jackson. Could it make it easier? Could this be one of the successful mergers? Well, look, um, that, that's the rationale, I guess, from the Prime Minister. Uh, you know, from what I understand of Willie, he's he's a really nice guy, but um, he's a bit of a showman as well, so he'll need to, I think, display... He's a broadcaster. He's a broadcaster, <laughs> right? So he's, he's certainly got all the experience, but he needs more than that. He needs the... Um, 
He needs to bring all of that to the fore to make sure he's asking the right questions and to make sure that he's holding the establishment board accountable so that ultimately this is successful. And what does success look like for this merger? It's not just about um, upholding the interests of the fourth estate and the independence and the objectivity. It's also about making sure the taxpayers get value for money, um, that you know, there's things like online is, is, is very clear, that the public funding system is, is clear and better. It's got to be better. Um, and that this process goes smoothly. So, look, I wish him luck, but it's it's not um, a small job in any feat. Kaupai. Um, uh, Chris Fafoy, he's also vacating those portfolios for justice and immigration, mm. the big ones. So justice going to Kiritapu Ellen. She's got a law uh, background. She understands the system. Mm. Is this a good, strong um, move? Yeah, it is. And, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a slow move up the system for 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 Kiritapu. That will be, I think, one of the top four leaders, either during this term of this of this particular government or after, you know, tides come in, tides come out, and, yeah. and, and Labour is back, back again. She's got a very strong um, uh, justice background, not only technically, legally, but also um, grassroots. So I think she's I think she's ready for it. You know, um, there's been no controversies, no issues in terms of uh, other portfolios she's had. And this is a woman who only a year or so ago was on death's door. So, you know, she's a, re- a, a, a resilient sort, is uh, Kitty Tapu Allen. Mm. And I think she'll do the job well. He's putting her in the top four. What do you think? Look, I, I rate Kitty. She's yeah. um, a, a likeable person. She's got skills. She's got intelligence. Um, and, and as Shane said, he's, she's she's dealt with a lot. Of, and that's, I think led to her having a more resilient um, outlook on life. So I think, hey, look, she is an up-and-coming person in the Labour Party, and um, it'll be interesting to see how she what, takes on the new portfolios. Why do you think they chose her over someone like uh, a safe pair of hands like David Parker or Calvin Davis? Oh, look, I think it's probably a little bit of giving opportunities to rising stars. Um, there's probably an influence from the Labour Māori caucus in there as well. Um, and again, you know, she's got the skills to do the job, as does Labour Minister David Parker, but he's going to be reasonably busy as well. So I think there's probably just sharing the deck chairs around a little bit. Yeah, all going to be busy. Also, I think that if you, you name two, I uh, had on my little Radio Wātia show, if I can give that a plug, uh, Calvin, for the first time, said that, yes, he is going to stand in Te Taitokoro. I wouldn't be surprised if someone like David Parker, who's been in been a member, sorry, a minister for two terms, and then even in the last government was was a minister. I think he'll be one of those that probably will take Chris Farfoy in at the next sort of reshuffle. Uh, will leave, and um, and that's probably why all the reckons from and that's why I well you just, you just got to think about it. Three terms as a, as a minister, sooner or later people got to turn on to uh, move over his age, all that sort of thing. So I think he'll be the cohort of minister that will will leave because you have to have a four or five sort of real real clear outs before you face the next election. Yeah. Uh, so uh, leaving alongside Chris Fafoy is the long-serving um, tr- uh, Speaker of the House, Trevor Mallard. He's been he's served for 35 years uh, uh, as an MP. What will he be remembered for, Dan? Well, look, I, I'm more inclined to believe um, and run with Audrey, he- Audrey Young's opinion on this, which is, look, um, Trevor Mallard's probably 80% good, 20% bad, and unfortunately he'll probably be remembered for the 20% that he did wrong as um, a Member of Parliament and also as Speaker of the House. You know, he's had so many issues. What did he do wrong? Well, the protests, the way he's handled the protests, the the, the clear bias as, as a 
uh, Speaker of the House. I mean, from what I remember of him, if uh, you know, point blank is the f- the punch up he had with Tohenare uh, many years ago, and yet then he was put in charge of this bullying review and trying to overhaul that, and he was the biggest bully really in in the Parliament. So, look, I I, I just I'm sure he's done a lot of good. Um, I just think that's going to be clouded with that twenty percent that he's done. Uh, and unfortunately, that that's that's politics. And you know, finally, I think you probably disagree yeah. on something on party people. Shane, what will he be remembered for? Well, I, I I've never been a fan. He knows it. He's not a fan of mine. I'm not a fan of his. I I I thought that putting on the music might have been a little bit childish. But these were insurrectionists. These were people who burnt who burnt and injured police officers and their line of the duties and others. And I have no I have no. I, I have no time for them. Uh, we can say that yes, he had a clear bias, but you know we've had uh, David Carter. I think was in the in the same in the same category. He, I think he had a clear bias. You know, he had a number of women uh, have, have walk out and who were very unhappy in, in the way in which he was addressing their issues. What I am pleased about is Adrian Ruafata coming in because he's a Rangamari, a Tata Tato fella. He's grassroots from um, Ratna, and I I think he. Will be the step change that Parliament needs in terms of a speaker. Speaking of um, Adrian Rurafi, who hails okay. from um, Ratana, mm. uh, the two the two MPs, one of them at least is uh, well, one's Dan uh, Rosewarn, and the other is Soraya Piki Mason, also from Ratana. What can you tell us about her? Well, Soraya is a very ex- experienced local body politician down Rangatiki, and it's you know being a being a very proactive Maori and a conservative uh, Pākehā electorate and, and constituency is not easy but you know what she's a very likeable person she does the work she's a leader amongst the people from Ratna, Ratna but she's a type of person that when you go and visit her in Marae she's always in her whareikai she's very harakeke grassroots person yeah, Dan, I, the biggest casualty, I guess, from this will be Poto Williams. Um, she's been stripped from that police portfolio. Was that a bit rough or fair enough? Fair enough. Um, look, the the gangs issue, the, you know, the crime that's going on in this country has gotten out of control. Um, the public see that. The Prime Minister sees that. Um, you know, wherever you look, the gang numbers are up. Have you got some Harvard stats for me on that? No, I don't. But Oh, well, I do have a stat. Um, the gang numbers are up 40%. You know, for four in four years, right? So, look, this number, this issue has gotten away from the Labour government, and um, so the Prime Minister knows that, and therefore, um, Poto Williams has. Who's is the forty percent step? I think so. The so basically, the the um, police uh, collect stats on uh, people that they know are affiliated with gangs. It's a crude measure. So, look, mm. it, it's you know, I'm not I'm not saying nope. hand on heart that's true, but. Um, it's it's a significant rise. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about. Can I just say on that stat though? Can I just say on that stat? Um, Jared Gilbert and others, including some of the police, said that um, the police themselves said, "Well, we need to be careful how how those stats are sort of interpreted because it actually shows an entry point in terms of people coming into gangs, but it doesn't show an exit point when people do leave the gangs." But I do accept that there has been a rising a rising gangs, and we and we have to have a look at why that occurs because this. These things do not happen in a vacuum, folks. Uh, um, how do you think Chris Hipkins will go in that portfolio? I think he'll probably be able to hold the 
the police to greater greater account. Um, I don't think Puto did anything particularly wrong, um, but sometimes you just need a step change. You need sort of an, a new broom to come in and say to the police, hey, look, we need to have a look at this, folks. Things uh, things have, have not been as they ought to. And so, so sometimes just a change of leadership is enough to, to get some action. But it's mm. got to be practical action, workable actions, and actions that strengthen communities and do not ruin communities. Yeah, I think Chris Carhill this morning said it won't be politicians that make change. It'll be uh, police boots on the ground. And communities. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But you've got to give police the authority and the powers to do that. And if you, so, what authority and what power do they not have, Daniel? Well, this this is what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, we're going to talk about this soon. The the gangle policy from national and And, and absolutely. And one question, but I just, I I just want to get into Mika Faitere because she's picked up Mm. uh, food safety from Aisha Varel, who's picked up about three other roles herself. Um, So. Mecca's got customs, she's got veteran affairs and a number of associates remembering that she was actually removed in yeah. 2018 mm. as, a, as a minister. Is this a good sign for her? Well, look, it seems like she's built up, uh, built back her credibility with the Prime Minister and um, and that's seen today. So, you know, it was only, I think, three, four years ago where the Prime Minister said, hey, I've lost confidence in her mm. uh, as a minister. So, look, this is good news for Mecca. Um, I think the portfolios m- are much more aligned, you know, customs, food safety, you know, ag, there's a lot to overlap. Um, so that's probably a good thing. Uh, so we'll see what she does in the portfolio. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, I thought uh, removing her was marginal at best, tough at uh, tough was my sort of analysis. And you know what? She didn't spit the dummy. She just carried on doing the mahi in, 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 in her electorate. And I think it just makes, th- makes sense to bring some synergy for some of those portfolios that may not be too sexy but are really important. Yeah. Okay, we're going to get into the gang policy because you guys have been waiting. Nationals announced a plan to crack down on gangs and favours non-consorting laws to disrupt them. Mm-hmm. Also granting new uh, police new powers and warrantless searches. Um, Dan, tell me how this is going to make a difference. Well, look, firstly, it's a lot of it firstly is about direction, you know, and, and I think that this is a good start. It's um, saying to gangs that this is enough is enough. And so tone is very important. As Shane said before, leadership and, and a, a step change is required there. The second thing is actually the ideas from National basically giving police greater powers to you know, um, control the gangs and get what, rid of them. What, pa- and, what more powers? Well, you know, things go, like you know, banning, banning gang you know, patches in the public, they don't have that ability to do that right now. And insignia. And yeah, insignia. exactly. All right. Yeah, so, so, hang, so, hang carry on. What, what yeah, so there's, there's, um, so, you know, as I said, the public had enough. And um, oh, what so, they, so banning gang insignia in public, what are, what are the other tougher ones? So there's others around um, bringing in pro- prohibition orders, firearms prohibition orders, which... Labor's going through right now. They've got this law that's going through, but they've been sitting on it, and it's been, it's been too long, right? Oh. And so what we've been saying is, look, bring these uh, prohibition orders in, so that if they, if police suspect um, a gang member has a, a firearm in their car, they have the authority. Uh, the warrantless authority to go in and search. Would you people. support that? Well, the warrantless authorities uh, authority already exists, and there's been over 700 issued only over in the next one or two years. This is this is political hyperbole because how practically are you going to do this? All right, first of all, do you accept that, no, though, that uh, warrantless uh, searches uh, exist? Look, um, Mark Mitchell, the police spokesperson for National, he, you know, he's getting feedback all the time from frontline officers. But they do exist. 
But, but, but what he's saying is that they, they do exist. That you but they don't have them. the actual um, authority. There's very specific um, rules in the legislation and thresholds that police have to meet before they actually go into a vehicle. And what they're basically saying is that all the threshold you'll need to uh, meet is issuing these prohibition orders, and so police have greater authority to actually search these vehicles uh, where there's gang, you know, possibly gang-related activity. They have lots of authority, and that specific, as we all know, because I know lots of young Māori have been arrested or pulled up the side of the road under misuse of police. Look, the police police and the community are going to sort this issue. It's really interesting. I haven't heard of one South Auckland leader, one West Auckland leader that does the mahi day in, day out, that have said, yeah, this is going to work. Because what it actually does, it disenfranchises communities that are already disenfranchised. Because you've got to remember a tough police action like this not only so, has so back on gangs but they're so what will the, what should the new police minister be doing because if we all agree that 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 there has been an increase in gangs what what should be happening well I think what we've got to do is we've got is where the law is broken as as it currently is and people are sent to jail if you if you if you commit a gun crime you're going to go to court Right, go to jail. But what you also got to do is you've got to empower your local community, and then you have to have a look at some of the big issues. Uh, when they talk about gang um, gang turf laws, you know what those are in effect? They're drug turf laws, and we have a criminalisation approach for the last thirty years in that space that simply doesn't work. Mm. We've got to turn. We've got to look for new alternatives, and we've got to treat it as an addiction issue. We've got to treat it as a health issue, and we've got to take away the profit incentives that exist. Look, um, it, it's just not happening. I mean, the minister um, admitted in one week there were 23 shootings on our streets. That is unacceptable. And no matter where you live in Auckland, the safety and con- security concerns that you face because of that is just unacceptable. So it is. how many of those 23 so, have actually mm. been prosecuted or brought to no, I don't, you know, justice? I, I'm not I think, disagreeing you with, yeah. with the 23 shootings and the rest yeah. of it, but when, when you look at some of the tough uh, gang laws in Australia and last year the Law Enforcement and Conduct Commission began reviewing some of mm. those laws and found you know, actually the byproduct or the, the consequence of it is that um, Indigenous people get collected up, you know, 3%, they represent, Indigenous people represent 3% of Australia, yet they are 40% of those who have been pulled up under those laws. Your, your own former MP, Chester Burroughs, say, says they won't work. They don't work. What, what's, what's new in them? Well, look, um, you know, Chester's, you know, has his own view, and that's for him to have. But look, for it's a very educated one, and he's spent probably the last three decades working with youth and in crime. Yeah, but if you look at that same report, it says, look, actually, what goes on in Western Australia, there are um, actually positive impacts from the legislative changes that they've made and given police greater Serious authorities. crime's been static in Western mm. Australia. Yeah, but then, you know, gang, <laughs> gang issues have, have dropped. I mean, I'm hearing that gangs actually go, no, they're, they're just almost just a, 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 um, given up on Western Australia. They're going to other states because it's just it's just too hard yeah, for they, them. No, they just go underground. You know, um, there, there's, there's, a, there, there's a tough gang law uh, war going on right at the moment in, in the in, in New South Wales where they basically execute each other. It, it drives it 
underground. The other thing is that when we have the conversations about gangs, we really got to have a look at some of those familial gangs like the Mongol mob and yeah. the Black Power. You know, I just want to know, Daniel, if there's a tangihana where I'm from in Kawaro, how are you going to enforce people wearing red oh, bandanas or, you, or, or, or red t-shirts? Let's just, it's go, just, back to, let's just go back Italy. to what you were saying there. You know, mm. never mind it being a gang problem. Let's yeah. talk about it as, yes. um, as a drug problem, as, mm. you know, as a medical problem. When did Labour do that? When did Labour address it and look at it that way? Because, you know, we couldn't even we couldn't even legalise marijuana. Exactly. Well, I argued for it. I know Daniel didn't, you know, uh, argued against it. Look, that, that you can't defend whether you be Labour or National in terms of our approach to this over the last over the last 30 odd years. What we do is we think that bigger, big, uh, bigger sentences, yeah. uh, more people in jail fixes it. The reality is that crime actually has been declining and uh, if we think that we can imprison our way out of it, there wasn't that, there was, it wasn't that long ago we had 10,000 people in Let, jail and our crime rates were higher. Let's wait and see what Chris Hipkins does uh, in time to come. The Māori electoral option interesting story this one, the Māori electoral option is a four month period held every five to six years where Māori voters can choose to move stay, whatever they want to do on the Māori or the general role. So last week Rawiri Waititi from the Māori Party's private member bill was drawn from the member's ballot and it was a bill that would see Māori being able to just switch whenever they wanted to. And then, out of the blue, the, well I don't know if it was out of the blue, but the Justice Minister Chris Farfoy announced that he'd draft a bill allowing Māori to change all the way up into the elections. National's come out and says it's racist. What's racist about that? No, well, National hasn't come out and said it's racist. Right. I mean, Nicola that's Willis, the deputy... Reported. Sorry? <laughs> yes, that's well, that, uh, well, that's not what I'm hearing. What'd she so, say? N- Nicola Willis and Paul Goldsmith, the spokesperson on this matter, they've been very, very clear on this, which is, hey, look, if you want national support, which Labour will need uh, national support in order to get these legislative changes through, um, they have a number of issues with the legislation as it's drafted. So the first thing is around tactical voting, which, in fact, the Minister's already said, look, we will get rid of tactical voting for by-elections. So they don't want, you know, if a by-election is held, for example, in Northcote, um, that people just can't switch for the by-election, right? So they've already accounted for that, but there's also local body elections where we need to think about and general elections So as you well, would so. support getting rid of tactical voting? Well, I think I think. Would you also um, get? Would you support getting rid of sweetheart deals then, like the ACT Party and Epsom? Well, you know, that that's a separate. Um, well, no, it's, it's kind of separate. tactical. It's well, tactical politics, isn't it? I mean, I'm just putting it to you because yeah. you're throwing it out there. <laughs> Look, um, I think with the issue that we've got to deal with is um, is around the Māori electoral option, right? Yep. So, and I can understand. I think I've I've spoken to many people on is it both fair? sides. Is it fair that for just those five to six weeks, um, you know, Māori can choose for that, that four month period? That I think there are issues with that, it, and there, and therefore that's yes, why no, yes, that's yes, why. Fear? Well, no, look, let, let's see where let's see where the Labour and National can get together okay. and talk about it, because I think National will support it if they address the issue around tactical voting, proportionality, because remember, the key reason why it's every five years is because it aligns with the census cycle, Yes. right? So that is a key cornerstone of our democracy, is making sure the seats are allocated in a way that best represent Māori across this country. So we've got to address that issue, and I'm sure National will be open to the discussion, and let's see where it goes. It's a bottom line for Rawiri Waititi. Yeah. Um, well, and and, and um, 
you know, the National Party says that it won't support it. Well, the hum- well, it's humbug. It's, it's, it's a humbug argument that uh, National Party is putting up. First of all, to have Paul Goldsmith, I live in Epsom, to say that this stops. I'm worried about pe- people gaming the situation. We he gamed the last couple of elections, so I just don't buy that. The other thing is, people can only vote once. Remember that they can only vote once, and what it means is that you can only make a choice from to go to the Māori role to the general role once in every five years, where you half a dozen of your mates that live on the North Shore can come and live in your electorate and vote for you. And they could, and they could in fact, change two or three times mm. because all they have to do is, uh, all they have to say is that they've been resident in that electorate for one month. And I think the, the rules are the rules and they should be the rules for everybody. The other thing is that it limits people's, Māori's participation in the democratic process. That's not a good thing. And also, to game it, you'd have to have a lot of cup of teas to do this, quite <laughs> frankly, because to game it, you'd have to move, shift 2,000, two to 3,000 Māori people from the general role to a Māori role to... To, to effective outcome. And I reckon if you're good enough to do that politically uh, as a political organiser, power to you, but it just ain't going to happen this way. This is shadow boxing. But, you know, yeah, look, it's... it's Go, Dan. Because I'm, you know, I'm in a marginal seat, yeah. right? So yeah. in marginal seats, this is where it can... It can be the difference between winning and losing an election. So, but 200 so, people. Hang, hang, hang on, Shane, hang on, Shane. Someone who's Māori mm. could switch onto the general and give you their vote in the, in the last week if they could see that you were marginal. Well, last so, month. But, but that, that's the thing, is that should that be the so case? So you're saying you don't... Right, so, you know... In, What's wrong with that? What if, but, what if you know, Hear Me on the Shore wants to support you because yeah, he can they, say, I want Dan to get in there because he wants a national MP who's Māori. But they made their call that they wanted to be on the Māori role. But what yeah, happened? Hang on, hang on, you guys system, right, where yeah. you get two votes, everybody in this country gets two votes, local MP and the party vote, you know, and that is the key. But they're is not getting you, four votes, they're still getting two, aren't they? Still getting two votes. Yeah, so th- what's the difference? Well, the key thing is, again, um, you make your mind up where you want to um, vote on the electoral roll, right? So if you're Māori and you can either vote on the Māori roll or the general roll, you make your call and then it's for people like us to say, well, okay, that's that's who, uh, here's the definition of the electorate that I want to represent. Now, all of a sudden, two or three thousand more people come onto that, then that's on. people that, you know, of course, I, give, I don't know. Give me, just quickly before we go to Shane, to, sure. to end, give me your whakaro on um, the PM's visit to Australia. Do you think um, it went well and do you think it will make any changes for Māori living in Oz? Well, look, I think um, certainly they've got a bit of a uh, deep friendship there and that's great and I think that's positive for New Zealand-Australian uh, affairs. But in terms of the 501 issue, which is, I think the big issue at the moment, um, we're not really seeing any movement. I don't see Al- Albanese coming out saying, hey, we're going to change our stance. Okay. There's no interest in the Australian Prime Minister doing that. It plays very well for him domestically. But good on the Prime Minister for putting on the table, and that's what a Prime Minister should be doing. How did it go for her? I think it went very well. I think there will be some changes. I think that people who uh, have got um, a certain level of crime won't be uh, brought across to New Zealand. But actually, it's more than just the 501s, and here is the problem. As soon as Australian lands lands here, they have basically every right in the world. When New Zealand, uh, you can have a Kiwi work there for 20 years, can't send the kids to university, can't apply for a job, for certain jobs. So I think think that level of equity needs to be sorted. Yeah, and, and look, if we, I mean, we've got to work on the equitable association. Absolutely. Well, that's party people for this week. So, kānui te mahi ki te puna whakatunga rewa mōna i tautoko uh, i tēnei koupou. Don't forget to watch us via the um, RNZ 
our YouTube account and Facebook pages or download us on the Apple Podcast. Ko te poko, te ahi kōrero, uh, no horo mai rā.